You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And what a show we should have today, because what a Saturday it was in fantasy and in the major leagues. We had a no-hitter from Edinson Volquez. We had Albert Pujols with a major milestone home run. That also happened to be a grand slam, and that was part of a record-setting grand slam day. So lots of great hitting performances, to be sure. And in the midst of all the grand slamming, uh, there are even a few uh, really notable pitching performances besides the no-hitter. So we're going to get to all that, plus uh, a preview of the two-start options for Week 10 coming up. Jim Finch from FanRag Sports uh, will be joining us for that uh, later on in the show. But let's get to uh, the big news. And, of course, it uh, doesn't get too much bigger than the Albert Pujols and the Edinson Volquez story. So starting with Pujols. Hit his 600th home run of his career on Saturday uh, off of Irvin Santana. So uh, that was uh, part of the Angels' uh, attack against the uh, the Twins. Not a great game for Santana, but uh, good good game for Pujols and his Angels teammates. And uh, Pujols becomes the ninth player to reach the 600 home run milestone and the very first ever out of those nine to make the 600 home run a Grand Slam. So that was pretty cool. And that Grand Slam was also one of seven Grand Slams on Saturday. That is a major league record for the most Grand Slams uh, in a single day. And later on in the show, we'll actually break down uh, the whole list of seven Grand Slams and the players who hit them. Uh, so big, uh, big day, or big night, I should say, for Albert Pujols. Uh, and then Ensign Volquez with the no-hitter. It's been a frustrating season for him overall, but he started to turn the corner over the last few starts uh, and also picked up his second win after losing his first seven decisions, Volquez. So this against the Diamondbacks, a 10 strikeout performance for Volquez. Um, So uh, definitely on an upward trajectory. And we'll break down the start and Volquez's season a little more uh, again later on the show when we talk about the other standout pitching performances But a news note related to the Marlins. The Marlins have been playing much better lately, but a word from Ken Rosenthal, there could be uh, perhaps a fire sale in the offing if they don't continue on this hot hot streak of theirs and don't get back into the NL East race. The Marlins may be willing to listen to trade offers for Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, and JT Realmuto. So uh, that would be a, a pretty big deal. They've got a nice core there, uh, particularly offensively uh, in Miami. And uh, there just may be a chance that they, they break that up. So that's uh, one of the bigger news items. But we've got a lot more to come. Lots of injury notes. Uh, several players leaving games early on Saturday. So we will get to all of that in the next segment. And stick around because, like I said before, we've got Jim Finch coming up later on as well. We will be right back. Stay right where you are.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, we've got a lot more news to cover here, as I mentioned uh, in the previous segment. And actually, the very next segment, we're going to have Jim Finch from FanRag Sports uh, to talk to us about the two start options for week, uh, week 10. And, of course, it's a big, big news day on Saturday. We've already talked about the Grand Slam record that was set, the Albert Pujols milestone that was reached, and the Edinson Volquez no-hitter, and we'll uh, revisit all of that again a little later on as well. Uh, but before we get to any of that, let me tell you about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Cicada on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley while you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take all of the experts with you. So some news, uh, lots of news. Uh, we only got to a little of it in the, the first segment, so uh, try to get uh, through this uh, it would not too much delay because, uh, like I said, a lot to get to, but there's also a lot of news. So uh, just within the last uh, half hour or so, the Giants activated Hunter Pence from the DL, and to make room, they sent uh, Christian Arroyo back to AAA, and uh, that has been anticipated for several days, so not a surprise, but uh, it, it does happen uh, for today. And there was some question about whether or not Pence might not be activated until Monday. So now we know Hunter Pence back uh, on the Giants active roster. Also back is Logan Forsythe. He missed yesterday's game with a groin injury, uh, but he is in the Dodgers lineup uh, for today's uh, game. Uh, that's at Milwaukee. And Forsyth is uh, back in the leadoff spot and uh, back at third base. So also just perusing the Dodgers lineup here, Austin Barnes getting the start at second base. That's kind of interesting. Anyhow, back to uh, some of the other news items. This one's certainly a welcome note for fantasy owners as well as for uh, Mets fans that uh, the Mets have confirmed that both Steven Matz and uh, Seth Lugo will return to the rotation in Week 10. It will be for the weekend series against the Braves. And most likely, one of the two will start in a Saturday doubleheader with the other going on Sunday. And not that I think that this matters or should matter for anybody's start-sit decisions, but I'm going to guess that that uh, probably rules out a two-start week for Jacob deGrom. So I think it's just everybody's going to get one start, and especially with that that double header. Uh, I know that the uh, the idea has been to send Robert Giselman back to the bullpen. I don't know if maybe he would make a, uh, a spot start or if they go with Tyler Pill. And that probably depends too on uh, who's being used in the bullpen and and uh, with what timing. But uh, you know, in any event, Robert Giselman, even in a deeper league, uh, I think you gotta gotta stash him because I think there's always an opportunity that he could be back in the rotation at some point, but you certainly do not want to keep him active, even with the chance that maybe uh, Giselman gets a spot start next week. But the good news, Steven Matz, Seth Lugo, they will be back very, very soon. Also back, Amir Garrett, uh, he has been activated 
to start. Uh, that's uh, for today's game against the Braves in Cincinnati. So Amir Garrett is back. Uh, going back to uh, some other injury updates. Of course, this one you, you probably did here over the weekend, but since we haven't been on uh, since Friday, uh, I think it's worth mentioning here. Gene Segura, according to the Mariners general manager, Derry DePoto, could be out for as long as up to two months. Now, Segura himself is saying he doesn't think it's going to be that long, but uh, if you're a Segura owner, I think you do have to be prepared for that potential uh, very extended stay on the DL. Uh, again, DePoto saying could be as long as two months. Tyler Anderson uh, has been placed on the DL. Now, he's somebody I featured in my weekly Sunday streamers column, which is still uh, live there on FanRag Sports. Went up yesterday to give everybody some time to make those waiver claims on Saturday and it featured Tyler Anderson, even though he had a, a rough time uh, the last time out against the Mariners, which looked like a good, uh, a good matchup. Uh, the Rockies uh, finishing out their series with San Diego. So that looked like another, really an even better start for Tyler Anderson. But maybe now an explanation for some of the inconsistencies for Anderson, because he's on the DL with left knee inflammation. And he has been dealing with this, it turns out, for about a month. So uh, maybe that explained the surprising struggles that Anderson had against the Mariners. Jeff Hoffman gets another crack uh, at the Rockies rotation. He will start in Anderson's place against the Padres. Not really a half-bad streaming option himself, but there are lots of other good ones, so uh, check out that uh, Sunday Streamers column if you still have a chance to make some roster maneuvers before uh, first pitch today. Uh, David Dahl, not good news for him or his owners. He has returned to Arizona, um, and his rehab uh, has been stalled. So uh, he uh, appeared to be on a, on a steady path to coming back to the Rockies, but now uh, his rehab is is basically in a state of limbo, and there is no timetable for uh, Dahl's return now. Several players uh, exited games early on Saturday. Jason Wirth exited early with a foot contusion. Matt Garza uh, left with a chest contusion, and that was as a result of a uh, collision with Jesus Aguilar. Billy Hamilton and Scott Shebler. They both left, uh, depleting the Reds' outfield, and they both had the same issue. Uh, they both left with left shoulder strains. So those are certainly important uh, situations to keep tabs on heading into Monday's lineup lock. And Shebler in particular looked like he had some pretty nice matchups ahead of him. So that's uh, that could be a tough break. And on a side note, uh, and this may change now depending on the nature of Shebler's health status, but he's, he's, you know, fairly well owned now having a, you know, a, a great season from a power perspective, not hitting for a great average, but um, you know, that's not particularly surprising with Shebler, but he's, you know, he's still out there for the taking, even in some 12 team mixed leagues. And to me, that's a real head scratcher because I look at Shebler's profile and to me, he looks a, an awful lot like Chris Davis with a K. Um, in, in terms of what they could produce. And, and granted, uh, Davis has had the much longer track record of success for Shebler. It's been a couple of months at this level. For Davis, it's been a few seasons. But you know, Davis is universally owned, whether it's um, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS. 
uh, where Shevler's there for the taking in a good number of leagues in, in all three of those uh, uh, games. And I'm not clear why. I'm not clear why Scott Shevler isn't getting more love for from us fantasy owners. But uh, you know, it's something to consider if he's not out for too long. Uh, Hunter Pence, we mentioned that, so I'm sorry to skip over that. But uh, Cole Hamels, good news for him. He is scheduled to throw his first bullpen session since going on the DL today. So Hamels still working towards uh, perhaps uh, a return sometime around the All-Star break, which is getting closer and closer now, just over a month away. And finally, one more news item here. Uh, Joe Girardi says that uh, Jacoby Ellsbury is experiencing headaches again. So uh, still experiencing some concussion uh, symptoms. Uh, he is going to visit a neurologist when the Yankees return uh, to New York. And uh, so Ellsbury, uh, who the Yankees were hopeful could maybe be back soon, uh, is now out indefinitely. So um, you, know, you certainly do not want to count on being able to use Ellsbury in Week 10. On the other hand, if you had some questions about Aaron Hicks's playing time, that would seem to be secure for the, the coming week. Um, so uh, that's that's the other side of that story. So as we uh, mentioned, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, of course, a big, big day in terms of the Albert Pujols milestone and that being part of a parade of Grand Slam's record-setting total of seven for one day of play. But it wasn't just the uh, players with the Grand Slams who had uh, had a very notable day. Ryan Healy had a big day, maybe one of the biggest days uh, for, for any hitter yesterday. He went four for four with a pair of home runs against the Nationals. Now it was uh, an awful start, another awful start for Joe uh, Joe Ross, which is a, a whole other story. But Healy now up to eleven home runs on the season, so that's uh, you know certainly a nice sign for him. And also out of the A's lineup, Judd Lowry, he just keeps hitting for power. He went three for five, the three hits being a home run, his seventh of the year, and a pair of doubles. And we've talked quite a bit about Devin Travis and his doubles uh, binge. Lowry now has 18 on the season. Pretty incredible. So uh, we got a lot more hitting performances to get to, but we're going to have to put those on hold because when we come back, we'll be talking to Jim Finch about two-star pitchers, so stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this hour, and it is... Jim Finch time. Time to welcome our special guest, Jim Finch, from FanRag Sports. Jim, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Al. Yeah, always good, and always good to talk two-star pitchers with you. Uh, we'll be seeing that column, I would think, anytime now on uh, FanRag Sports, but uh, you get if you're listening now, you get a little bit of a preview. So uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting and sort of difficult decisions to make this week. But I want to start with the two Brewers pitchers who are slated to make two starts, Chase Anderson and Junior Guerra, because I personally like one of these a lot more than the other. But I'm guessing we, we might not necessarily agree on which one that should be. So uh, do you like one better than the other? You like them both? Where, where do you stand on Anderson and Guerra? 
I would I would probably take Garrow over Anderson. I mean, they're they're similar in overall numbers. I mean, Garrow's got a few things going in his favor. He's got a ground ball rate going in his favor and a lower uh, lower hard hit rate, which I think can make the difference between the two of them. Chase Anderson. We've seen this before. He's had two good games in a row, but he's had a couple nightmares before that. He's had the inconsistencies over the years to where I don't think I would trust him. We totally agree. <laughs> I like these matchups a lot for Junior Guerra. It's you know, the Giants uh, at uh, at Milwaukee and then at Arizona. And the Giants, I just think, are just a good matchup for, for a lot of pitchers right now. But the Diamondbacks are pretty aggressive. And, and when Guerra's really having a, a good start it's usually because there's some team that's going after some bad pitches so um yeah and i like gara a lot as well um how about jame garcia i'm surprised at how available he is given how well he's pitched he's got the phillies and the mets both in atlanta um does the ballpark worry you does anything worry about garcia or is, is he just really under owned right now I think he's just really under own right now, and just it's probably because a lot of people aren't are just slow to buy into him because he's been he hasn't been bad in the past, but he's just been sort of that mediocre average pitcher to where he has good games, he has some off games, and just, people just aren't really buying into him. But you're going against the Phillies and the Mets. Both teams are in the bottom ten for batting average and on base percentage. The Mets are in the bottom ten for runs scored, and both of these against lefties, so he's got that going in his favor. Philly's a little bit better for home runs, but he's good for the, he's an extreme ground ball pitcher. So between you know between being the lefties and the poor lineups right now, I see him having a great week. Yeah, I think so too. It's you know you make a good point. I mean, there's the longer track record that I think makes probably even the most optimistic Garcia owner, maybe a little bit hesitant. But you mentioned the ground ball rate. I mean, he's been really shutting down uh, the fly ball game over his last few starts. So, uh, yeah, I like this for Garcia. Uh, Aaron Nola, I got an interesting question from a Twitter follower about him. Unfortunately, I don't recall the exact pitchers involved, but it was basically Aaron Nola versus a couple of one-start options, and I really had to struggle with that one, and that surprised me. So Nola's got the Braves at home, and the, or I'm sorry, the Braves on the road and the Cardinals on the road. Uh, is is this a no brainer? Am I am I overthinking this with Nola? I have no intention of putting him in any of my lineups right now. Wow. I mean, he's got two quality starts in his last ten. He's given up four or more runs in three of his last four starts. The K's are down. The walks are up, and he, he's he's not even showing like a positive rating on his curveball, which was like his bread and butter last year. I mean. There are, I mean, there are positive signs if you're a NOLA owner. I mean, the bat is high right now. The contact rate is low. The hard hit rate is at a good, is at a good spot. The soft contact rate is actually above that. So he's got a lot of positives in the underlying metrics for a possible turnaround in the future. But until I actually see those results coming up in the scoreboard, I'm not going to put him in my lineup regardless of who he's going against. Yeah, well, that and that's the thing with NOLA, and you referred to the BABIP rate. And that, that's been, you know, part of the frustration with him is that so many of the underlying metrics suggest that this is a guy who's just, he's been unlucky, he's due for a rebound. And it, it really, you know, since the first two months of last season, we, we, we keep waiting and it never happens. So a uh, wait and uh, see approach probably does, does make some sense. Like I say, I, 
I had to really think hard about whether to recommend some one start options and not not really you know great ones just merely good ones over nola so i i can definitely see where you're coming from with that one now uh denelson lamet uh he's got the diamondbacks on the road and then there's a home start in san diego against the royals that last one should be pretty good but uh, has he has lamet done enough to earn our trust um it's 50-50 with him. I mean, you could get lucky. I mean, he's got that great K rate, and those big strikeout guys, they can tend to surprise you, but he's also inexperienced, so you got to take that into effect. He kind of reminds me a lot of Robbie Ray in that you got the big strikeouts, but he also has walk problems, and while in the minors you didn't see him with the home run problem, he is a big fly ball pitcher, so that could play against him, especially in Chase Field, so... Kansas City, I'd probably start him, but I don't know if I have it in me to start him at Arizona, and he's somebody that I actually recommended in my minor league report, but I don't know about him for this week. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the fly ball rate, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's not something I've seen a lot of analysis and commentary on, and that, that does worry me, too, for that Arizona start. Uh, Antonio Senzatella, he's a two-star pitcher this week. He's got the Indians at home. Then uh, to Wrigley Field to face the Cubs, so a little bit of a uh, 2016 World Series tour for Sensatella. Um, mostly solid, but uh, do do you think he's trustworthy with those starts? Um, I don't really know what to make of him. I mean, I looked at his numbers, and the contact rate's high. The batted ball profile and walks are average at best. Strikeouts are low. The bat's unlucky. And his minor league numbers say he could be good, but we don't know. I mean, he hasn't, he doesn't have one specific thing that he does that impresses me to where I want to say start him one way or the other. So I don't know. I, I have him as questionable. I, pro- I would probably bench him just on the matchups, but I'm not going to condemn anyone for starting him either. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get it in terms of like looking and looking really hard to find that thing like, okay, what, what is Sensatella doing that he's, you know, been able to, he's had, you know, a, a bunch of those seven inning starts and he's really had a, a lot of good ones. And I mean, the only thing, you know, in terms of finding a, a standout skill, uh, he's got one of the highest uh, zone percent ratings among uh, qualifying starters. So, I mean, he pounds the strike zone, but that, that could, that could be just as much of a negative as a positive, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be a little nervous about starting him. But you know, it could be one of those things where, you know, if he's just good enough and, and you know, maybe goes six or seven, gives up three runs in each of those starts, that that could be really nice in a points league. You know, I just, I'm not, I'm not super confident that he's going to come through with that. Uh, Daniel Norris, he's got the Angels at home, the Red Sox on the road. Well, is he startable, or or what type of league can you start Daniel Norris? Um, I probably in weekly formats, I would probably sit him just for the fact that Boston's doing pretty well against lefties, and the Angels are doing pretty good as well. But Boston's doing that much better to where I think they could blow him out. And considering how inconsistent he's been lately, I mean, it's not even inconsistencies where you can look at, well, he's been good against the bad teams and he's been bad against the good teams. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. Lefty teams that are normally struggling are hitting him. So he's, he's really a tough call to where I would probably sit him versus the bigger offenses just to be safe. But the Angels right now, 
yeah, they're hitting lefties fairly well, but they're without Mike Trout. I might roll the dice on him for a stream there, but I wouldn't play him against Boston. Yeah, well, that was the thing I was going to address is, um, yeah, that Boston start doesn't look particularly promising. But have the Angels just in general become a team to pick on, you know, with no Trout, no Mabin, uh, at least for the time being, no Mabin, but obviously no Trout for, for a much longer period. Um, you know, they were sort of a middling offense with them. Uh, I mean, how how much of a team are they to pick on? Um, I wouldn't put them down there with like the Padres, Giants, and Kansas City, but they're definitely a team that if you have a middle-of-the-road pitcher that you're on the fence about, if they're in Los Angeles, then I would probably stream them against them. It all depends. If they're like on the road in a big, in a smaller ballpark, I might be more hesitant, but it's in Los Angeles, so yeah. I feel safer here. All right. Well, Hector Santiago, I mean, it's not really gone well for him lately, but really, really nice matchups for a lefty. Of course, we said that about Tyler Anderson a week ago, but you know, maybe there were some <laughs> different circumstances that we know about now. But Santiago gets the Mariners uh, at Seattle, and then he gets the Giants, and he gets them at AT&T Park. Uh, w- which way do you lean now? The, the pitcher who's not done so well lately or the venues that, that could potentially bail him out? I, I always question Santiago because anyone that has a 50% fly ball rate, I have a problem with. But like you said, the venues are good. Both teams are bad against lefties, but I blew it on Tyler Anderson last week. So I I would probably start him, but I'm not overly confident in saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't even – in deeper leagues, I, I'd, I'd take – Take uh, take the risk. And one more, uh, Jim, speaking of deeper leagues, I don't think anybody's going to take the flyer on Jeff Locke after the one really impressive start uh, in a 12-team mixed league. But how deep do you have to go to start him at, at the Cubs, uh, at the Pirates? Um, I, oh, I'd probably say at least 20 teams at a minimum, nothing under that. I mean, 2015 and 16 were a complete nightmare. Don't buy into the first game. He's He's not that good. All right. Well, on that very uh, upbeat note, uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all the great uh, insight and research. I look forward to seeing you again back on the show. And, uh, folks, there's a lot more to come here, so stick around. We'll be right back in just a few. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and thanks again to FanRag Sports' Jim Finch, who just joined us in the previous segment to go over your two-start pitching options for Week 10. Uh, Again, check out that column later today on FanRag Sports, uh, where you get the the full treatment of all the scheduled two-star pitchers and not just the the ones that we covered in the previous segment. we got uh, lots more hitting, pitching performances to break down, uh, some lineup developments that are pretty interesting. But before we get to any of that, let me tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a wizard of the waiver wire. 
and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And for this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with the new Injury Advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package right now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. So uh, normally earlier in the show, we uh, go over lineups and weather and all that good stuff. Uh, didn't get to that. It's been you know pretty packed show in terms of news and such. But there are some uh, of a couple of uh, lineups I think are very interesting. One is the Marlins. Uh, there is no Justin Bohr. So we have finally figured out a way to stop Justin Bohr. And maybe not even that. Maybe he comes in and he gets a pinch hit home run. Who knows? But he's not in the starting lineup. It'll be Tyler Moore at first base. And it is only a one JT lineup for the Marlins today. JT Riddle's in there, batting eighth and playing shortstop. But JT Rulamuto sits to let A.J. Ellis handle the catching duties. Uh, so couple of noteworthy developments there in the Marlins lineup. And the Brewers have got the red-hot Eric Sogard leading off and playing second base. So there is no Jonathan VR, uh, no Jonathan VR in the lineup. Um, so that's kind of a frustrating situation in, in a way for both players because VR has definitely seen a decrease in his playing time. I think it makes it really hard to start him in a lot of leagues for week 10, given not only the lack of production, but the fact that now that lack of production is translating into what, what appears to be decreased playing time. And Sogard, who's hit it great, has been the beneficiary of a lot of that, but you know it, it seems right now like they're both sort of in a limbo state where neither one will necessarily play enough to help you. So um, for whatever that's worth, you know, to me that's sort of a, a frustrating situation there. Uh, as far as the weather goes, I don't think there should be much that's going to frustrate you today. Not major chances of precipitation uh, really anywhere but uh, a few cases where there's some mild chances that you know maybe could turn into something. I think the most noteworthy one is the Astros at the Rangers. There is uh, just a 15% chance of precipitation at game time, but uh, that being at 3.05 p.m. Eastern, but as we move into the 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock hour, that uh, chance does increase. So uh, that's uh, probably the situation that you need to watch the most uh, closely. Uh, otherwise, you know, these are all pretty uh, minor chances of, of precipitation in the uh, the other games around the major leagues for for today. So uh, let's get back to uh, the hitters because we talked about the the slug and A's and the great performances on Saturday by Ryan Healy and Jed Lowry, but uh, they did not make the Grand Slam list. So seven players with grand slams uh seven is the most grand slams uh in any given day uh any given schedule and of course we know albert pujols hit his ninth home run of the year his 600th home run of his career and that was a granny matt adams had a two homer game homers number four and five of the season at the reds and one of those was also a grand slam kyle schwarber now, it's been a highly disappointing season for Schwerber, but that was his ninth home run. So he's not really, he's been lacking much more in terms of batting average than in terms of power, although that is down a bit from two seasons ago. 
But uh, Schwarber, the third member of the Grand Slam list from Saturday, Ian Desmond, he hit his third home run of the year. Uh, that was his only hit of the game, but it was a Grand Slam. Chris Taylor, he just keeps hitting, and he's been filling in for Jack Peterson in uh, center field. So uh, even with uh, Logan Forsythe back and back today and, and playing third base, uh, Taylor just keeps hitting enough to get in the lineup, and he's got the versatility that he, as long as he's hitting, there ought to be somewhere for Dave Roberts to play him. So he had a big, big game on Saturday with his seventh home run, that being a grand slam, also a pair of steals. And so in addition, we you know we talked about the grand slams, the uh, milestone uh, performances, uh, but one of the also uh, incredible stories from Saturday is that the Dodgers stole seven bases against the Brewers, all against catcher Jet Bandy. So if he's not already on your list of catchers to target, whether it's daily matchups, weekly matchups, uh, in terms of your potential base dealers, uh, that he, he definitely needs to be on that list. So Chris Taylor uh, with a grand slam. Travis Shaw also joins the home run slash stolen base club uh, from Saturday's, uh, Saturday's performances. So the home run was the 10th for Shaw, and that is the sixth of the grand slams that we have mentioned here. And then the last one to be hit on uh, on Saturday, Mike Zanino, his second home run of the season, a big seven RBI day for Zanino, big big uh, breakout performance for him, and it's been a long slog of a season for Zanino. That's involved some time in the minor leagues, not a lot of offensive performance, and I thought that after a, a really good second half last year, that Zanino would emerge this year. Not necessarily somebody who's going to hit for great average but could give you a lot of power. And, and granted, that's a fairly common profile among catchers, but he definitely, I thought, would get himself into that conversation alongside of the, uh, you know, the Evan Gattises and Wellington Castillos uh, and and those sorts of players. You know, uh, Austin Hedges is, has entered that conversation. So Nino, not quite there yet, but a big, big game on Saturday. And that makes seven grand slams uh, for the day. And again, that's a major league record. Uh, Elvis Andrews did not hit a grand slam. He did not hit a home run. But he did go three for four with his 15th double. So I talked earlier about Jed Lowry and his doubles binge. Andrews is right behind him with 15. And of course, Andrews has also had some nice home run pop. He also walked in this game, so he reached base four times. And he stole his 13th base. So Elvis Andrews just might be, if he can keep up this pace, he just might be a 2040 player this year. How crazy would that be? Uh, but he is, in terms of roto value, the leading shortstop, and that unto itself, now a little over two months into the season, is pretty incredible. Because uh, the thing that I talked about over and over and over again back in February and March is how the shortstop landscape has really changed. And you've you've just got this really you know concentrated group of very very good offensive shortstops. You know whether it's and again we're talking shortstop eligible, so I would include Manny Machado there, but you know also you know Trevor Story, who you know I had higher hopes for, and still have higher hopes for for the rest of the season. Um, Jonathan VR had higher hopes for him. Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager. Um, 
Gene Segura, uh, shortstop eligible, uh, and of course now on the shelf for up to two months. But, you know, that's a lot of names there, <laughs> considering that like two, three years ago. It's like, well, who's a good offensive shortstop? Well, there's Hanley Ramirez and there's Troy Tulowitzki, uh, and that that's about it. Uh, go back maybe another year or two, you add Jose Reyes to that list. So it's a whole different landscape, and at the top of the heap, after two-plus months, is somebody that was not part of that preseason discussion. It was Elvis Andrews. So that that extra power really, really putting him on another level. Uh, I talked about those seven steals that the Dodgers had. Uh, two of those belonged to Chris Taylor, but two also belonged to Yasiel Puig. So you talk about a surprising power-speed combo. Puig on the whole may be a little bit disappointing still because he's not hitting for average. But with those two steals, he now has eight. So uh, Puig looking like a 2020 uh, producer this year if he doesn't slow down. Um, so that, that kind of makes up a little bit for the, the low batting average. Danny Valencia, uh, four for four. They were all singles against the Rays. But uh, kind of an interesting note here. So the first two games of the series, Valencia has not made an out. <laughs> he is seven for seven against the Tampa Bay Rays. would like to see a little bit more power from Danny Valencia, to be sure. But, um, you know, he's getting those uh, those reps at first base and uh, bringing the batting average up. And, and perhaps the power will come. That's always been sort of an unpredictable thing for Valencia throughout his career. So I wouldn't put it past him uh, at some point this season for him to put together a little bit of a power splurge as well. Uh, but at least uh, you know, he got base and and raising the batting average. Um, so we've uh, talked about the big hitting performances. We talked about the Edinson Volquez no-hitter, but uh, that wasn't really the only noteworthy, noteworthy pitching performance uh, to come from Saturday's schedule. And one, there, we'll, we'll hit most of these after the break, but Jordan Montgomery, who's... Uh, you know, I, th- I think just kind of falling a little bit short of, of being consistently helpful in fantasy. Six scoreless innings at the Blue Jays uh, with five strikeouts, three walks, three hits. And Joe Girardi was asked, now this was, I believe, prior to that start, but he was asked, is there a chance, and the pun's not intended, just the word that came out of my mouth, is there a chance that Chance Adams could replace uh, Montgomery in the rotation? And Girardi said, really? Are you kidding me? Come on now. Montgomery certainly helping his cause with that start. But we'll talk about some of the other big-time pitching performances right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. This is the final segment of today's Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball, but it'll be a good one because we're going to talk more about Edson Volquez. By the way, I'm Al Melgier. I'm your host. Got a little excited there about it. Wanted to talk about Edson Volquez before I talked about myself, which I guess is appropriate. Uh, let's let's talk about Volquez uh, through the no-hitter against the Diamondbacks. Um, interesting season for him. Lost his first seven decisions. He's now 2-7. and seven. And for all the struggles, I mean, they weren't all, you know, tough luck losses. I mean, Volquez, for the most part, you know, was not real sharp in a lot of those early starts. Um, but he now has a 3.79 ERA, which considering the struggles he did have, not too bad. Not too bad. And 
striking out 22.1% uh, of batters uh, as a uh, percentage of plate appearances. That's his highest uh, rate in a long time. But on the flip side of that, he is throwing uh, pitches in the zone at his lowest rate since 2010. And Volquez did have a little bit of kind of a control renaissance when he uh, pitched for the, the Pirates and working with Ray Searage. But, you know, there have been some wild years <laughs> in the uh, 2010s uh, for Volquez. And this has been so far a, uh, a landmark year in terms of him not pitching in the zone. So that's a real uh, kind of a two-sided coin there for Volquez where he's getting the strikeouts like we haven't seen in a long time, but also issuing a lot of walks, not pitching in the zone. Uh, but the thing that, that may make him viable is pitching in Marlins Park, and he's got a .9 home run per nine ratio, which might not sound that great, but you know, in this age of, of all these home runs, um, that's actually become a pretty nice little rate uh, to have anything below one. Uh, ben Lively made his major league debut for the Phillies against the Giants, and it was really good. What seven innings, just gave up one run on four hits and three walks, but he didn't strike anybody out. And I would say for the potential or actual Ben Lively owner, that is something you probably should expect a lot of is not very many strikeouts because he didn't get him in the minor leagues. So it'd be very unlikely he gets him in the major leagues. He's more of a control pitcher, uh, also a, a pretty much an extreme fly ball pitcher, which makes me worry about Lively uh, in Philadelphia against most teams, maybe not the Giants. But, um, you know, he did certainly got the job done there. David Price, can't believe we're this late into the show. And not just that I was talking about David Price, but that's what a crazy day it was. Uh, seven innings, one run on three hits and a walk against the Orioles with seven strikeouts. That was vintage Price. And um, staying in the AL East, we already talked about Jordan Montgomery and his very good start against the Blue Jays. But be it Joe Biagini, on the other side of it, he took the loss, but a very, very good and encouraging start for somebody who had seemed to be prone to the big inning in his previous start. Seven innings, three runs, but only one earned on four hits and a walk with six strikeouts against a very, very tough Yankees lineup. So that looks really great for Joe Biagini. And last one, last pitcher to talk about, Tyler Chatwood. Yes, it was a Padres matchup at Petco Park for Chatwood, but uh, he, I think, still probably exceeded expectations when eight innings long, just one run, with eight strikeouts and one walk, only four hits. And if you think that was just a Petco Padres special, bear in mind that now over his last six starts, Chatwood has allowed just one home run, and that was actually in Saturday's start. He's allowed a 202 batting average and a 306 slugging percentage. So if Chatwood could just reduce the walks and reduce them against teams other than the Padres, uh, you, you really got something there. But that's a big, big if with Tyler Chatwood. So, you know, we'll see uh, see how he does the next few starts out, but uh, definitely somebody to put on your watch list for uh, Week 10 and, and beyond. So that wraps up uh, the recap of the major best pitching performances from Saturday, and it puts a bow on this Sunday show. So we will be back tomorrow with special guest Lauren Shahadi. So please, please join us. It should be a good one. Have a great weekend, everybody, and good luck. We tell.